and welcome to another episode of the Watermark Equipping Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Van Wagner, and this is my co-host, Orrin Martin. And back with us for part two of a two-part episode is Dave Breskis, the Director of Regeneration Recovery here at Watermark. Welcome back, Dave. Thanks. We're so Thanks for having me. You. Great to be here. Yeah, part and one so- was so fun. We had to come with a part two. <laughs> I know. So this is part two. So Orrin, why don't you tell us a little bit about what we covered, the concept that we covered, yeah. which is union with Christ. Yes. So, so just to recap, what does that concept mean before we get into this episode, which is going to be mostly about how to apply that concept. But what does the concept of being united with Christ mean? Yeah, so the concept is just getting at how Christians should view their lives as Christians. And and that is maybe more specifically how we identify with and share in Christ and all that he is and all that he's done for us and our salvation. So his death is our death, right? Because he died to sin, as the righteous one, we've died to sin. Because he's been raised uh, in, in life anew, we've been raised to walk in newness of life. Because he has ascended and sits at God's right hand, now we have been raised, and not only raised, but seated with him in the heavenly places. So the New Testament can, can speak of the very life and work of Christ is now ours by virtue of being united to him by faith. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, we talked about how the concept of being united with Christ is really central to our identity as believers. Yes. Um, So let's get into how does this concept of being united with Christ actually apply? How does it play itself out on a daily basis? Yeah. Yeah, good question. One text that I love to go to, in fact, I would encourage our readers, if you haven't already, to memorize this passage, is Colossians 3, verses 1 through 17. Um, and, you know, it, it draws upon so much of what Paul has said in, in, in chapters 1 and 2. So in chapter 1, he gives this glorious picture of who Jesus Christ is, that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. All things have been created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I mean, we have this amazing picture of Jesus. And then Paul can come along and say, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord— this is that that glorious Christ Jesus. This is uh, chapter 2, verse 6. So walk in him, be, being rooted in him, being established in, in him, being built up in him uh, in, in all that he is and all that he's done for us. So, so that's who we are in Christ Jesus. And, and so that is to characterize how we walk, how we live. And Paul drills down more specifically in chapter 3. And he begins by saying, if then, so he's just talked about we've died with Christ. If then you've been raised with Christ— then seek the things that are above, right? So, so even there, we have to stop and say, it's not, if you seek the things that are above, then you will die with Christ and be raised with him. Mm-hmm. That's, that's works righteousness. Mm-hmm. And, and that will lead us, if I can say it frankly, that will lead us to hell because we're depending on our works. Mm-hmm. But no, he says the very opposite. It's because you've died with Christ and because you've been raised with him that we can and will seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And here's a command, set your mind on the things above. I think that's Christ, where Christ is, not on the things that are on earth, right? So this is Paul talking about how how we are to be heavenly minded uh, because we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Now, why can he command these things? Verse three, because you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So, you know, there's there's an adage to say that the, the indicatives precede the imperatives, what does that mean? It, uh, so the indicatives, who we are, okay. precede what we do. We have to get this relationship right. It's not, if you do this, then we can become the kind of people that God accepts. Mm-hmm. It's, 
No, only because we are the kind of people God accepts because of Jesus and who he is for us and our salvation, that we can do the things that please God, right? So it's because we have died and because we have been raised that we can and will set our minds on the things above. So what's a really practical example of that? A very practical—I'm so glad you asked (gasps) because Paul anticipates your question in verse 5 and says, put to death therefore—we can't ignore the word therefore. What's the therefore therefore? Put to death because you've died and because you've been raised with Christ. Put to death what's earthly in you. And he says sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, and he names more anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech. On account of these things, the wrath of God is, is coming. And he says, put them away. Right? So he gets very specific. Maybe as, as Nacho Libre would say, he gets down to the nitty-gritty. Wow. And he says, put to death any hint of sin. Right? Any 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 sinful desire, sexual impurity. Uh, passion, evil desire, any any uh, sinful act, right? uh, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and these are just categories of sin. Right? And so, you know, for for me in my life, I ask myself when I think about the, these these uh, these words: is is there any sinful thought in me? Right? Uh, put to death sinful glances. Put to death s- sinful uh, temptations to want to put others down so that I might be seen as great. Um, or, or, you know, wishing, I, I wish I wish something bad would happen to that person because I want that blessing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Paul says, because you've died to sin and because you've been raised to walk in newness of life, um, I, I can put that to death. Right? And so it's it's a it's a very practical text of of the things we are to put off, mm-hmm. which is so vital. Uh, again, we can only do that because we're in Christ and we have His Spirit. So because of the Spirit dwelling in us, we're both strengthened uh, to do this, and it's it's secure because we're secure in Christ. We can do this and we will do this. But but not only do we already to put off these things, which you know I think is a, is a good reminder for us. We're not just to confess sin, as important that is. Paul gives the other half of our of our sanctification. He says in verse twelve. Put on then as God's chosen ones. Again, realize our identity as God's chosen ones. We are holy and beloved. Put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now, where do we see these these virtues or, or maybe this fruit at work? We see that in the very life of Christ. So, you know, I think a good exercise for me is when I when I think about these, you know, put on compassion, put on kindness, my mind immediately goes to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right, having compassion on the multitudes as sheep without a shepherd, uh, put on humility. The one who was in the form of God didn't regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or used for his own advantage, but he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Put on patience. Think about Christ and his patience with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about God's patience, who who forbear, who, who was patient with us in our sin, looking to the day when Christ would become our propitiation, our sacrifice of atonement, so that we could become. A righteous in him. And so, you know, all of this gets very practical to say, how can I, one, put off those sinful desires, words, thoughts, actions, and how can I then put on Christ because of who he is and who I am in him? Is it fair to say, and maybe this is just me speaking about my own personal faith and walk, I do think a lot about putting off sin. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I think less about putting on Christ. Yeah. Is that common? Is that just a Caitlin problem? Is that a modern church problem? Yeah. It, maybe it's just the concept of like, this concept is a little newer to me. Like I recognize it and yeah. I absolutely, but is that 
fair to say that we focus more on putting off sin than putting on Christ? Is that common? That's a great question. I'd love to hear, you know, Dave, if you have anything to say about that. I do, I do think it's common. And I think what's interesting, if you look at what Orrin just read, <clears throat> that's simultaneously the same act, right? It's it's two sides of the same coin. It's uh-huh. You're putting things off. And in this instance, you're getting the image, I think, of a wardrobe. You're taking things off. You're putting things on simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And so it may be something that you do almost unconsciously or, or you yeah. know, subconsciously perhaps. But yeah, absolutely. The idea isn't just take off the sin and get after it uh-huh. and go to work and try to make yourself better. It's take this off and replace it with that which is already yours in Christ. Okay. And again, it's it's the it's all that Jesus is and all that he's accomplished that's ours. Mm-hmm. And we receive it by faith. So even this is an act of faith. It's it's by faith taking things off and trusting it again. I love what Orrin has said, because we live in a culture, Caitlin, where the idea is what you do determines who you are, right? Mm-hmm. So you're standing in your favorite coffee shop, line is long, someone next to you strikes up a conversation. What's first or second question they ask you? What, what do, do you, you do? do? Right? Yeah. And that determines to them who you are. Mm-hmm. The Bible looks at it opposite. Yeah. Who we are determines what we do. And so this is another good example that Orrin just read us from Colossians 3 of this is who you are. Mm -hmm. You're in Christ. As a matter of fact, so much so your life is hidden with him. Your Mm -hmm. life is encompassed by him now based on that reality. Take off these Mm -hmm. old ways of living and put on the newness, which is yours. How do you do that? You do it by faith. Does that faith require uh, trust and action? It certainly does. But you start there. I wonder, and I don't know if this is true, but it— Maybe for me, as, as I'm live processing right now, which is, like, not not always great, but I putting off sin feels a little bit more like I can control that yeah. than putting on Christ. And I don't know why that yeah. is. So maybe it's just—and t- so maybe that's just, like, a control habit of, like, if I could just not do these things, that is what is going to— help me that's gonna that's my sanctification rather than receiving what Christ has already done for me yeah. which is a ra- about grace to our point in that for, in the first episode of that's really about a, a more holistic understanding of grace yeah. well, when, go ahead when, when, when you say that Caitlin I think um what strikes me is is somewhat of a burden that I think mm-hmm. we all have as Bible teachers mm-hmm. and that is if that's true and most people have that experience that you're having and I think it mm-hmm. probably is true. Uh, then we haven't taught the Bible faithfully. I had a friend ask me one time, if you look at the corpus of the New Testament, what does it talk most about? It's exactly what Warren just said. It talks most about the indicatives. This is who you are. This is who you are over and over and over again. Now, based on that, this is how you live. And so in, in no way does the New Testament minimalize sin. What it does emphasize, though, is focus in on who we are in Christ. And then from that place of, of really vigor, begin to attack sin in your life. Yeah, that's good. <clears throat> and I was just thinking, you know, again, to get back kind of at the, maybe the transactional nature of our mm-hmm. lives, we can often think about just what we get. And, you know, we can talk about, you know, what does it mean to be Christian? Well, Jesus died. He paid for my sin. Now let's get to work, right? And and how subtly what that what that does is it, it separates my life from Christ, right? And And so, you know, I would just say, we only get the gifts because we get Christ. Mm-hmm. We 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 receive His righteousness. We receive His obedience. We receive His resurrection life. We receive His resurrection power because the very Spirit of Christ, Romans eight says, dwells in us. <clears throat> and the second thing I would say is, you know, maybe an answer to your question of of, of why we can often maybe just focus on one half of it, uh, and and how how we can put on Christ. It's interesting. There's a there's a word play uh, between Christ dwelling in us, and in Colossians three, uh, six, 15, 16 says, uh, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly." 
So I don't. I think that those are are interchangeable ways of speaking to the same reality. That the more we let the word of Christ dwell in us, what is that word? Mm-hmm. This is who I am. Christ says, and this is what I've done for you. Uh, the, 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 the more we let his word dwell in us, the more we, we live and we experience the reality of, of who he is, who he is dwelling in us, right? So there's a, if we want to grow in, in putting on Christ, then we'll grow in letting his word dwell richly in us so that we understand more deeply who he is. And we understand more deeply what he's done. And we understand more deeply that by virtue of that, we share in him. So if I am understanding you correctly, um, applying this to our everyday life essentially is two things happening at the same understanding two things happening at the same time two sides of the same coin which is putting off sin yeah. and putting on Christ which is, mm-hmm. and understanding that concept of both of those happening at the same time in our sanctification and yep. the way that we live it out is that right that's right great awesome okay so what are some so- signs that we are getting this wrong that we perhaps have something misaligned in us you know I uh, with the opportunity I have with regeneration which I love by the way. Uh, we see it all the time. People come through the door the f- the first night. They come on a Monday night, and it's a recovery ministry here. Recovery ministry, okay. yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah. And and um, as they come through the door, you can just see the burden they're carrying. Mm-hmm. They're heavy hearted. There's almost a sense of hopelessness in it. And there's usually one of two things going on. Sometimes both. One is either they're feeling uh, sin dominating their lives. There, there's a sense of I can't stop doing what I don't want to do anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't mean just now and then. Like it, it's habitual. Or the other side of it is I'm suffering and God feels so distant to me. Mm-hmm. Well, both of those issues ultimately emanate from a from a, a, an unbelief in what it means to be united with Christ. If, if I'm united with Christ, he's in me and I'm in him, then I know that his promise is valid and true, that he's never going to leave me or abandon me, even in the midst of suffering. There's, this, there's a sweet possibility, even in the midst of the hardest suffering of, He's with me in this moment. Most people will be able to tell you, it's partly my story too, that my worst day was also my best day. Why was that? Well, because Jesus was with me in the most unique, manifested way. Mm-hmm. And the same is true with sin. In essence, if we are if we are being dominated by sin, then we're not really believing what Orin has already said. And that is, in a Romans 6 way, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Mm-hmm. There's this idea that sin is now dominating my life in a way it shouldn't, because if I really dive deep beneath that... My actions are being influenced by a core belief, which at some point is disconnected from believing that I am united with Christ, that Mm -hmm. his obedience is mine, his life is mine. And so there's a thousand different applications I can go in, but that's usually the two big things that we see over and over again. If God seems very distant to you, um, that's not true if you're a Christian, Mm -hmm. right? He's in us. He's, He's present with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. We are in him. If sin is dominating our lives, then... Uh, that shouldn't be because of the things that we've already talked about and, mm-hmm. and that Jesus' obedience is mine. Jesus' death on the cross is mine. Jesus' resurrected new life is practically mine today mm-hmm. to be uh, that the Holy Spirit is applying and I'm to respond to in faith. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing is if you're feeling overly burdened, if you're feeling distant from God or alone from God, if you're feeling dominated by sin, there is something in this concept for you to bring yeah, healing absolutely. and freedom and hope. Right, this like understanding this concept. Yeah, so, so much so that I would start there. You know, Let's I think start there. you know, I think a lot of times we do what we already talked about, and that is okay, let me let me look at my life with a fine tooth comb and mm-hmm. see where sin exists, where I would say, Hey, let's go beneath that even. Let's start with uh practically living out this union we have with Christ and then 
let's take it from there because ultimately we have to get to that place to start over, if you will. And I imagine this is hyper relevant for you mm-hmm. because you are in the recovery. Oh, and and it's beautiful when people get it, Mm -hmm. and they do get it, and it's the turning point in their life. And that's really the whole concept of regeneration is if we can get people together to be very honest in a a, a small group context about what they're really experiencing, but more importantly, if we can get them in the Bible day in and day out, Mm -hmm. and they can begin to build what really is step 11 for us, which is intimacy. If they build an intimacy with Jesus based on the union they have with him, then that pleasure suddenly... Uh, makes all other pleasures in life, including sinful pleasures, less. Mm-hmm. And it begins to drive our lives. And so you can watch people get it. You can literally see their countenance change. Yeah. You can see all of a sudden God is near when he seemed distant, mm-hmm. even in the midst of my brokenness. Mm-hmm. And now my life is beginning to change because I understand all that God is for me in Jesus. Is this why I know we've talked about regeneration is a recovery ministry, but often your team, you and your team are quick to say, it's a discipleship ministry first and foremost. Is that where that concept comes from? Absolutely. It is. It's um, it's a spiritual formation is really what mm-hmm. it is. This idea of going to the gospel daily, opening up your Bible, praying. You know, we would say, how do we enjoy, Warren? How do we enjoy our union with Christ? It, it's, it, it certainly is functional, and it, and it mm-hmm. helps us kill sin, and it helps us uh, do life. But even more than that, it's relational. It really mm-hmm. is enjoying. Yeah. I mean, that's, again, yeah. what do you get out of the gospel? What's the best gift? You get Jesus. So yeah. recovery flows from the relationship. Yeah, and yeah. discipleship does too. So there's, you know, Regent has a discipleship basis with a recovery application. So people come to us all the time who don't have presenting issues as uh, – as 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 uh, intimidating as addiction, mm-hmm. people will come to us and say, "Hey, I just don't feel the way I think I should feel about my spiritual life," and we see the same outcomes that they they get it. And I think that's a really helpful, uh, I think, dimension to that doesn't often get talked about in union with Christ. I think we can exclusively think about it in individualistic terms that it's just me and Jesus, and certainly there is, an, an a personal dimension to it. Right? I mean, Paul says that I've been crucified with Christ. Uh, Christ lives in me. He loved me and gave himself up for me. But that's only half of our— there also is a, a corporate dimension to it. That's why I love you know, what Region does, uh, be, because it's, it's discipleship that's rooted in the local church. Uh, and and that's a, a really important component of being united to Christ. It's being what does it mean to be joined to Christ? It means it means being joined to His body. What's His body? His body is the church. Mm-hmm. So it it is vital. It is necessary. Right. We we can't make it to the end apart from His means of grace in the gift of His body of the church. And so you know as it, and I think that takes the burden off me too. Right. Well, it's it's just up to me and and, and to to work out my union with Christ. Well, yes, we have responsibility in it. But maybe in some weeks when I, when I don't even have the strength to wake up and read his word, a gift I have is knowing that Sunday's coming mm-hmm. and I can gather with, with my local church and hear the preaching and teaching of the word and I can be washed by that. Mm-hmm. And I can be reminded of, of who Christ is and I can be reminded of who I am in Christ, even when I don't have the strength to do it mm-hmm. uh, in the midst of suffering or brokenness mm-hmm. and grief. Uh, it's, it's God's means of provision so that week in and week out, we can be washed by the water, water of the word and reminded of who we are in Christ so we can live more fully mm-hmm. in him. That's, so, that's such a profound point. I don't want to move past it. We hear all the time from friends that we love who no longer participate in the church. We hear things, and maybe this is overstated, that I love Jesus, I just don't like his church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get that. I get how people can get to that yeah. place just through the brokenness and the dysfunction yeah. of the church. Church hurt is real. 
It yeah. is a real thing. Yeah. And I don't want to I don't want to in any way belittle that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, if someone says that, then they have a misunderstanding of what it means to be united with Christ, right? Because to love the church is to love Jesus. If mm-hmm. if we are if we are united with him together, then that is going to compel us to be actively engaged in the church. We're going to love Sundays. And I think specifically we're going to really love communion because there's a way mm-hmm. in which that's part of what we're celebrating yes. mm-hmm. when we take communion is, hey, we're all together united with Christ. That's why even in Corinthians, there's a sense of, hey, if you are if you are not practically uh, in right relationship with the people around you, take care of that before you take communion mm-hmm. because what we're really emphasizing is our, our union with Christ together. Okay. So this next question, I'm even I'm almost hesitant to ask because um, you got to ask it then. Oh, great! Well, <laughs> it's I'm the going most to. important question. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because I think we've talked a lot about being transactional, and and a misconception of the Christian life is that we have to do and be and always be growing and that sort of thing. But the question is, how do I how do I grow in this concept? Yeah. Right? Um, if if I feel like something is misaligned in my relationship with God, if I feel like overburdened, or I feel maybe not connected to his church, which might be a sign that I'm not understanding this concept as well. How do I grow in it? Yeah. Or is it just something like you have to ask God to grow it in you? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, I would just say, and I'd love to hear Dave's thoughts, um, is, is is it begins with uh, kind of the, same, the, the things we've talked about, right? Begins with understanding who Christ is uh, and, and who we are by faith in him, such that what's true of him becomes true of us. Uh, and learning more and more by his spirit, right? So again, it's not as God's like, okay, I've done this. Now you go and live it independently from me. No, he's actually given us his spirit who both strengthens and secures that work of of living in him and learning how to live in him. And, you know, I say that because oftentimes I'll hear, I'll hear Christians talk uh, as though uh, we live the same way that people under the old covenant lived. You think about the Old Testament, mm-hmm. uh, where God just, you know, we can often think of kind of this, God just gave commands and they were burdensome. And and yes, they couldn't do them, but it was to to point them, right? I mean, Paul says that the, that the law, the Mosaic law, the commands were our tutor, our guardian until the appointed time so that Christ could come and free us from that burden. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I say that because we, we don't live under the old covenant, right? And so, you know, even when I hear people talk, it's like, well, we just have a bunch of stuff to do and we just kind of sprinkle in uh, some Jesus died and paid for my sin. Now let's get to work. And, and that's really no different than how the, you know, besides the Jesus died and paid for my sin, we're living like we're still under the old covenant mm-hmm. of just like, it's up to me to obey this. It's up to me to keep, to keep God's Ten Commandments. And that is a wrong, and it's dangerous, and it's and it's defeating, and it will and it's, it will bring death mm-hmm. and despair. Because we miss the fact that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it, Matthew 5, 17. And because he fulfilled it, then he says to us in Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. You can't do enough to be accepted by God on Mm -hmm. your own merit. And the glorious thing is that's true. And God went further and said, so so I'll do it for you. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus did that for us. And Jesus invites invites us to say, come to me then, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is Matthew 11, 28. Mm -hmm. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest. For, my, for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So, you know, it doesn't mean that commands, therefore, are removed from the Christian life. No, we still have commands, but because we have Christ, those commands are life-giving, not burden-bearing. Mm-hmm. And they're life-giving because we become more like Jesus and experience more of his joy. 
And so I think that's that's so important. Uh, even in how we read our Bibles, I think oftentimes I can my instinct is let's read my Bible and see what it says to me. I, I want to read the Bible so that I can see what I have to do mm-hmm. instead of reading my Bible and asking how does this how does this help me see Christ more clearly. Now in the Old Testament, I see Christ because I'm confronted with I couldn't do any of that just like Israel couldn't do any of that, and Christ came and did it for them, mm-hmm. so that through trusting Him they can be empowered to do that right by being united to Him. Mm-hmm. Dave, what do you think? How do we grow in this concept? Yeah, I think two things are really critical. One is look for it as you read the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden you think, and it's all those little phrases. That sometimes we just gloss past because yeah. they're small in Christ, in Him, in the Lord. Uh, but it really is everywhere. And so look for it. And when you you know, when you know look for it, stop and pause and, and believe it. The other thing is lean into it. You know, that I, I've learned that um, I have to lean into my union with Christ. It's not just a intellectual concept. Mm-hmm. It's a practical. How do you prompt. do that? Well, my most common prayer is Jesus help me. <laughs> you know, Jesus okay. help me in this moment. And and whether that's whether it's coming in to to, to, to record this episode or, or it's going to be someone mm-hmm. that I'm going to talk to in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. I just I have to constantly be reminded of the fact I'm in Christ, Christ is in me. Mm-hmm. It just it's it it shouldn't be so elusive for me, but it is. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways I do that is just through prayer and yeah. just leaning into it by faith of acknowledging, Lord, thank you that you're with me. Mm-hmm. Thank you that I'm in you, you're in me, we're in this together. Now I so desperately need your help right mm-hmm. now. And uh and I think it's like anything else we do in life, the more we look for it in scripture, the more we lean into it practically, the more it grows in us and okay. we begin to understand it and it it becomes uh, not just natural, becomes supernatural. Mm-hmm. And again, that's why we see all these passages that we've read a few today of walk in. It's that idea of live your life in this space, mm-hmm. like walk daily in this pattern. And so I do think you build it up. It helps to be in community. It helps to have people mm-hmm. constantly remind you, hey, Oren, you're in Christ. Caitlin, mm-hmm. you're in Christ. And I am too. And so that's helpful as well. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I will say one thing that's really practical for me is I often go back to the Gospels to see the, to see the beauty and glory of Christ. Um, and, and so, you know, instead of, you know, I think we can often kind of be like, oh, Jesus prayed alone in the garden. Now I have to go pray alone in the garden. Right. <laughs> and not, and not understanding what is Jesus doing, right? The, the God, the son, very God of very God, he's agonizing in the garden because he knows what awaits him. He's going to do something that he didn't have to do. He didn't die for his own sin. He died for ours. And so I'm, I'm seeing the beauty and glory of Christ, and, and I'm seeing the beauty and glory of Christ for me and my salvation. Mm-hmm. And so read the Gospels to see Christ and read the Gospels to see Christ for us, mm-hmm. right? That he didn't come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And what that does is that that kind of reorients me to the true north. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it helps me understand more of who he is and therefore more of who I am in him. Mm-hmm. Okay, so some practical ways I'm hearing to grow in this is look for it in the scriptures, specifically meditate on Christ of the gospels, yeah. what he did, mm-hmm. what that means for you, mm-hmm. and then lean into it. Those are some practical ways. I'm yeah. hearing. And read resources. I mean, there's there's a, a lot of, we can put them in show notes, but, you know, uh, talks, sermons, books, articles by Sinclair Ferguson. You are uh, loving Sinclair Ferguson in this episode. Yeah. I mean, Jerry Bridges has a, a great little book called Who Am I? And it's Rediscovering Our Identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so helpful and really short. Mm-hmm. There's also some lot longer books I'd love to recommend, <laughs> but begin with the short ones. It'll be really helpful. <laughs> Okay, great. So um, I want to kind of end here because yep. I know as we started, we started talking about this a little bit of the reason this is a two-part episode is because y'all had a lot to say about this concept. But I also know 
that this concept has been integral in your own personal faith stories. Yeah. So I'd love to just hear how this has played itself out. Orin, in your life, Dave, in your life, how, is, how has God used this concept to transform you? Yeah. Yeah, I'll just say quickly, I mean, for some listeners, I've, I've maybe talked about this in previous episodes, but, you know, my own testimony <clears throat> is, is uh, in, in large part due to the shaping effect my dad had on me. Wonderful father. Um, yet, uh, he basically lived a double life, found out four years after he died, uh, and, and through, uh, through, through sin, uh, through sexual sin, ended in his death. And, you know, that's kind of a uh, happy episode, right? <laughs> um, but the Lord used that to, to bring me to my knees and and know that man, I was in grief and hopeless, and, and God used that to show me my own sin mm-hmm. and to open my eyes to the beauty of Christ and who He is and how He came to die for my salvation and give me new life and and reconcile me and give me every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so, you know, as a, as a new Christian, as the, you know, at 21 years old, um, I was qu- quickly confronted with, oh, my dad struggled with sin. You know what? I struggle with sin too. And and I remember kind of uh, through uh, uh, my college pastor who discipled me, he he really kind of alerted me to this and sent me on a journey uh, down discovering what it means to be uh, in union with Christ, what it means to to have my identity in Christ. My identity no longer is, you know what? I don't I don't have to be. Uh, 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 you know, addicted to or uh, um, it, it enslaved to the same sin my dad was enslaved to, mm-hmm. um, because that's not who I am. I've died to that because Christ has died, and I've been raised to walk in newness of life, and so I can consider myself so therefore dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So it had such a freeing effect on me that I not only can break free from past sin. I will break free from past sin because God has so ensured it by uh, bringing me into fellowship with his son and giving me the gift of his Holy Spirit who who gives me new desires, right? He removes my heart of stone and gives me a heart of flesh. He causes me to walk in his statutes because he's given me his very his, his very self and the person of the spirit, right? And and so that was, you know, that was um that was direction turning for me as a 21-year-old. And I honestly, I haven't gotten over it. And I'm, I'm so thankful. That's awesome. Dave, what about you? You know, um, I am easily the most selfish person I've ever met in my life or even worked with in ministry. In any, even, even to the point, Caitlin, that there are times throughout my ministry life, whether I'm teaching, preaching, or serving others, that it really internally is about me. And so how do I, how, I, I know that doesn't please the Lord. I know that doesn't bring me any joy. I know that it ultimately doesn't serve the people I want to serve well. Mm-hmm. So how do I change what I do? From Philippians 2, and I, w- I want you to listen for the union with Christ part of this text. because I think it's going to jump right out at you. This is, what the, th- this is what the text informs us. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. That is so hard for me. That feels impossible. Mm-hmm. It gets harder. <laughs> Let each one of you look out not to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Almost impossible for me. Mm-hmm. But here we go. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours. Here comes that phrase, in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In other words, what this text is saying is— I need to consider others more important than myself because mm-hmm. I fight selfish just my heart. As a matter of fact, practically, their interests are more important than mine. It feels impossible to me. 
and yet there's this great promise. Have this mind, which is yours. Mm -hmm. This isn't a goal to achieve someday. This is a gift to be received. Mm -hmm. The mind of Christ is mine. Why is that? Because I'm in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. So what I do all the time uh, now is I always have to remind myself in prayer, whether I'm about to serve somebody or I'm about to stand up and speak in front of somebody, Lord Jesus, I need your mind right now. Mm-hmm. You, you said my, your mind, your perspective, you who humbled yourself, taking on the form of a human, uh, even considering yourself not equal with God, being obedient to the point of death, like that mindset is mine already in Christ. Lord, would you give me that by faith? I need that right now. And it's amazing how faithful he is to provide and to make you aware of what he's already provided. And it's amazing how that begins to reshape the way you think and even the way you feel mm-hmm. and act. Yeah, I love that that. It's not a goal to achieve. It's a gift to receive. Mm-hmm. That's and that's true of every aspect of our sanctification, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. our, It's given. It's yes. a gift of grace. It's ours. It feels counter to my life, which yeah. I want it to be more transactional, to know what I can get. But it's about, to our point earlier, it's like it's all about a fundamental understanding of grace. Yeah. That's awesome. Any final thoughts? I don't think so, man. We've covered a lot. Uh, I appreciate what you both I've, have shared. I've I feel very encouraged. I know for me, I'm going to read my Bible differently. <laughs> I don't. I that was a. I didn't know mm-hmm. that it it appeared 200. What is it? 200 times yep. in Scripture, mm-hmm. the phrase in Christ or something similar to that. Yep. So I think that that's so fun to just. I'm going to read my Bible differently. Praise God. All right. Well, uh, that is the end of our two-part episode about the concept of being united with Christ. I hope you got something out of it. I know I really did. Thank you all for joining us for this episode of the Watermark Equipping Podcast. We will see you next time. And until then, have a great week of worship. Mm -hmm.